Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and I trust that you're enjoying the series that we've been sharing on the book of Joshua. Uh, my oldest son, Jeremy, is on the set again with me today. This will be our fourth program. Uh, on the subject of the book of Joshua. And we've been talking about the book of Joshua. It's kind of his cup of tea a little bit. But we want to continue that today. But if you missed any of it and you'd like to go back and review some of the stuff we've taught, it's impossible to keep on building like this if we don't have an audience that follows us day by day. Um, of course, you'll get something out of it. But if you'd like to go back and view uh, the other programs, everything we've aired to date is archived on YouTube. It is also on our uh, podcast uh, the easiest way to do any of that is to go to my website at lynnhaas.com. It's on the bottom corner of your screen. And uh, there is a little icon there that's the YouTube icon and the iTunes. And then there's one also for the Android device. If you simply tap on that, it will take you directly to that feed. And you can watch it or download the audio portion or just listen to it stream. But that's available to you. We're going to get back in the book of Joshua today. And we've been talking about how the book of Joshua is a powerful picture of us moving from law to grace. Because Joshua 1 began by saying, now after the death of Moses. In other words, he says in uh, chapter 1, let me just read a few verses. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give unto thee, even to the children of Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, Joshua is now on the scene. Moses is a picture of the law. Joshua is a picture of our heavenly Jesus. Actually, the Hebrew name Joshua is Yeshua. It is the same name as the name of Jesus. Moses brought you out, but only Jesus can bring you in. Moses brought you out with a rod, but Joshua or Jesus will bring you in with a mercy seat. We laid out a lot of stuff last week about how uh, you know, uh, you can feed on what Jesus did in His redemptive work because the promised land in the new covenant is more than a piece of real estate. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is receiving all of God's promises that are yes and amen. But I want to show you some things here because I'm sure this would come up in question as we read on down through here. He said, Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea, sea toward going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous that thou mayest watch this, observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." 
Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare victuals, for within three days you will pass over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God giveth us, giveth you to possess. Now, as you read this, it looks like, okay, man, all the stuff you guys said for the last couple of weeks is great. But then I get here, and he starts talking to me about keeping the law. Mm-hmm. Now that's one of the things that we see here. And now this is again, we're talking about Joshua mm-hmm. is the old covenant, but it's a picture of the new. Mm-hmm. And as I really began to uh, think about this, even while we were uh, off camera just a little while ago, I, I had to look up some scriptures. I want us to look at some stuff because I want to show you how. Uh, how, how this is fulfilled in the new covenant, so that we are absolutely in line to receive the promises of God. But Deuteronomy 11 is where I'm going to go to, and I'm going to begin. There's many things that uh, uh, could be read here, but I'm going to start in, uh, let, let's see. I'm going to start in verse 21. It says that your days may be multiplied. This is Deuteronomy 11, verse 21. And the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven on earth. This is powerful to me. This is the heart of God is to give you the days of heaven on earth. I mean, even just the terminology, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Everything about that, there's a lot of deep profound things you could say about the symbolism of milk and honey, but the bottom line is, is if I said I want to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey, that pretty much says to me, I'm going to give you the good life on every level. Mm -hmm. We got to see that as God's heart. Even in the Genesis experiment, I mean not experiment, but uh, uh, in what God did in Genesis, He puts a man in the middle of an absolute paradise where all he needs is divinely supplied, and he lives out of a relationship with God. That's a pretty good, if God started it that way, I don't know how we've got this mentality that God wants us to live in misery. And then he comes back with this and says, I want to give you the days of heaven on earth. And he goes on to say, uh, you know, that's a powerful thing, you know, to give you Mm -hmm. the days of heaven on earth. But here's the clause that throws the monkey wrench in it. Verse 22, for if you diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do, uh, to, to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, and to cleave unto Him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations before you, and you will possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. Of course, we're in the book of Deuteronomy, and He's telling them, I want to give you the days of heaven and on earth. But it's on the basis of whether or not you keep all the rules. Well, the end result is, that all sounded really good till we got to, if you diligently do all the words of this law, because we know the end of the story is they didn't do the, all the words of this law. They didn't keep this law. But I had you look up a scripture uh, while we were off camera in Deuteronomy 31. What, where is that at? Deuteronomy 30, uh, starting verse 10, it says, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandment and statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not, it is not in heaven, that thou should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Now, 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 now watch this. He said, the words of the law, is that what he's saying mm-hmm. there? Read it again. That the words of this law, it's not... For the commandment which I command The commandment you, which I give you... This day is not hidden from uh-huh. thee. 
neither is it far off. It is not in heaven. It's not in heaven. That thou should say, who shall go up for us to heaven to bring it unto us, that uh-huh. we may hear and do it. That we may hear it and do it. Uh-huh. Neither is it beyond the sea. Neither is it beyond the sea. That we should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Mm-hmm. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thine heart, that thou mayest do it. So the word of what? The word of the commandment. Of the word of the commandment. Read it again. The word of the commandment is what? For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off, but it is nigh thee, but the word is very nigh thee, and very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Mm-hmm. The word of this commandment mm-hmm. and the word of this law. Now I want you to see that what he's saying here in Deuteronomy is that the uh, provision is contingent upon your performance of keeping the law. Now we see this again as I just read to you in the book of Joshua. But I want to show you this exact same verse in Romans chapter 10 and you're going to notice in the new covenant what is what replaces uh, the word of the law. Watch this because I think this is so very powerfully important. <clears throat> Let me, let me begin reading here uh, in verse 4 of Romans. This is Romans 10, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So He is the one who met the criteria so that all of God's blessings can come to you. Now watch this again. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But, 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 the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Now he's quoting Deuteronomy 30 there, Jeremy, Mm -hmm. where he's talking about you won't have to ascend up to heaven, that is to bring the words of this law down. But here the apostle Paul interchanges the law with Christ. He said, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall ascend into the deep? This word deep is, can be translated to the sea. And in Deuteronomy 30, he said, who will go across the sea? That is to bring it to hear us, mm-hmm. bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. And, but, in do, and, but in Romans 10 in the new covenant, he said, who, or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring again Christ from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. The word that was in your mouth there was the words of the commandment. So what I want you to see is that while Joshua is commanding them to keep all the words of the law and nobody's able to do it, Deuteronomy is commanding the days of heaven on earth is going to be because you keep all the words of this law and nobody seems to meet the criteria. And then we get to Deuteronomy 30, and he says, who will go up to heaven? That is to bring it down to us that we may hear it and do it. Mm-hmm. We come to Romans 10, and Paul grabs that and says, he, Paul grabs a hold of that and says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Mm-hmm. So faith replaces performance in the new covenant. Say, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring not the words of the law down, no. but Christ down from above. Because He is the promise. He comes and brings the promised land with Him because He lives inside of us. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. The fact that He died and rose again is what gets, sets us up 
to be able to receive the promises because His death, burial, and resurrection redeemed us from all the curses of the law so that we are in line by faith to receive the days of heaven on earth. And then he uses this same wording again that's used in Deuteronomy 30 where he says, but who will, but he said, but the word of the commandment is now you even in your mouth. Uh-huh. In Romans chapter 10 he says, but what saith it, the word is now thee even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I'm about to shout that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, where in the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is neither uh, where there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mm-hmm. So he's putting this, he's putting this promised land, mm-hmm. he's putting this days of heaven on earth right in reach of every believer who will simply reach out and grab it not on the basis of did I jot, did I keep every law and rule and cross every T and dot every I, but the fact that I believe in the one who did sets me up to receive this abundant life that we've been talking about in the promised land. So that's not a disqualification in Joshua. What happens is Jesus met the criteria for everything that under the old covenant disqualified us. He's the end of the law for righteousness. To them that believe, you yeah, could probably yeah. jump in there for something. There, even that, you know, he sends, you know, where uh, Moses sent in twelve spies to spy out the land, and ten of them come back with an evil report. Mm-hmm. Ten being the number of the law, Joshua only sends in two spies, which to me is speaks of the law and the prophets. That this mm-hmm. being witnessed by the law and the prophets, that this land has become ours. That it's yep. that it is our inheritance. Yep. You know that. Uh, Jesus being fulfilled, being the fulfillment of all, everything that was required by the law and the prophets is what brings us into the place that our union with Christ, all the promises of God become yes and amen because of our union with Christ. You know, uh, we, I, we were talking just a little bit about the arguments of like, um, you know, the seed of Christ, you know, and that uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Hebrews or I believe it's Hebrews that claims that this is not to seeds of That's many. Galatians. Galatians. It's yeah. not seeds of many, but it's one seed, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. So that all the promises that were promised That's to right. Abraham were not to this uh, 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 people who... It's not just go, go, uh, given to just random people. It's given to Christ. And our union with Christ, then, is what guarantees us that the promises mm-hmm. of Abraham are ours. The, the promise of David that his seed will forever sit on the throne is not to seeds of plural, but it is the, for the seed Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the seed that is forever seated on the throne of David. is ruling and reigning, not someday, but right now. And so our union with Christ, that we become, the scripture says, we become seated with him in heavenly places. So we're seated on the throne with Christ, so that we're ruling and reigning in life through Christ, so that all the promises, all these things that we're, that sometimes we're waiting on to happen, it's it's Christ who who is the fulfillment of all those things. And the law and the prophets are witnessing. See, I'm made righteous. The scripture says that uh, I'm righteous, that he that knew no sin was made to be sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God. And the law and the prophets witness that because it's not based upon 
my performance is based upon my union with Christ. He, Christ did it. I'm in union with him. And so I'm made righteous, not because I've, I've you know, when you talk about, we just talked about that scripture because the word is nigh thee. Yeah. It's even in thy mouth and in thy heart that you might, you might perform it. So what happens is, is like I, the more, again, we're talking about when they came into that promised land and they come and they be, everything that, they, that brought them in was all of you and picture of what Jesus did. And it created faith in them to be able to there enter into go. that promised land. Yeah. So the word became nigh them. You know, when they're on this side of the Jordan, they haven't entered, they're going to talk about, you know, God's going to give us houses we did not build. Mm -hmm. It's something that's going to happen. But when you cross that Jordan, you start eating from the fruit of the land, you know, and you start seeing, you start seeing walled cities fall apart, not because you went and knocked them down, but simply because you were obedient to God to walk around it. Mm -hmm. you know, this, is, this isn't happening by natural uh, uh, victories, it's happening by supernatural victories. Yep. You know, uh, then what happens is the word becomes nigh thee, it becomes in thy mouth, you start having a word of faith that says, uh, this isn't something that maybe one glad morning is going to happen, but this is something that's a, that today, we can call it today, this is happening today, these walls are falling today, I'm eating of this land today, I've mm -hmm. entered into this promised land today. It, it, yesterday it was a thought, today it's the reality. Mm -hmm. And it becomes nigh thee in thy mouth, and it begins to create something that you begin to say, well, if he does this, you know, he's, he's brought us this far, well, then he's going to be faithful to, to complete this work. You know, I, we were talking about, because the next book after Joshua is the book of Judges. We, I was teaching the other day, and there was 12 judges just like there were 12 apostles, you know, which speaks of God establishing the government of the kingdom mm -hmm. is not just uh, by one man Christ, but it's that we also may be called the sons of God, and that, you know, we, we begin to possess the kingdom just as much. But all the weapons, every weapon of those judges was not a conventional weapon. Yep. Rather, it was a jawbone of a donkey or a, 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 an ox goat or, you know, just a two-edged dagger that you're hiding, yeah. hiding underneath your cloak. You know, their weapons were not conventional. They were, uh, they were again, pictures of Christ, the two-edged sword or the two-edged dagger. Gideon, was, he was threshing wheat, hiding in the wine press. That's no. bread and wine, you know. Yeah, that's all those work. things that's... were pictures of Christ, and they were unconventional. Even, you know... I told our people, even Shamgar, you know, Shamgar who had, it says that he slew, I believe it was 600 Philistines with an ox goat. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a weapon that was used for, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not a weapon. It was used for making the ox go yeah. and plow the field. Yeah. And it was simply that he came to a place and said, you know, this is a highway that's going to get me home. And I keep taking the, I keep taking the long way around, but this is not meant to be. This is my land. This is the promise God has given me. And he slays 600 Philistines. Now, these 600 Philistines probably did have conventional weapons and were, you know, these yep. guys were, they knew what to do. They, yep. they were marauders. They were, they were used to killing people on the highway. Yeah. But, you know, Samgar comes with something that's not a weapon, and he slays 600 of them. You know, so it's not a matter of, and it's just something that, 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 that causes the ox to go forward, you know, or, or remind, again, it's, to me it speaks of, the sacrifice of Christ, it reminds us of what Jesus did. It's, it's, it's the weapons in our hand become not conventional weapons, but they are mighty. That's it. You know, and they're it, not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling And it's the recognition, the law, you know, when we, we see the law and the prophets testify that we are the righteousness of God. You know, we, see, we are so used to the law and the prophets condemning us and pointing out the things that are wrong. We're not used to the law and the prophets testifying of our righteousness. Mm -hmm. 
You know, when we, so like you said, we read the book of Joshua and says, you know, as long as you keep these commandments, then I'm going to do this. And we go, well, God ain't going to do this because I ain't kept the commandments because we're used to the, the law and the prophets condemning us. Yeah. But when the law becomes, or when the word becomes nigh thee, and it becomes in thy mouth, and it becomes in thy heart, it becomes the word of faith that you speak, then the law and the prophets stop condemning you, and they start testifying of who you are and your identity in Christ and of your righteousness. And when it starts testifying of those things, then you start entering into the promised land. Joshua sends in two spies, to me, speaks of the law and the prophets, and they come back with their report that says, the inhabitants have already melted, their hearts have already melted, they're already defeated, they've already locked up their doors and, and, and hiding all their stuff because they know if we enter in, it's all over. Yeah. That their houses are, they've already got their stuff packed up to leave because they know the moment you show up, that house doesn't belong to them anymore, it mm -hmm. belongs to you. Mm -hmm and you're able to move in. And so the law and the prophets begin to testify of what is theirs to have. And so we've gotten so used to the law and the prophets testifying of our, and of our condemnation, of our guilt. But I believe the word being nigh in our mouth is the word of faith yep. that begins to testify, the law and the prophets begin, begin to testify that you are the righteous of God and that this, this promises are yes and amen. I was thinking while you were saying about them, them witnessing it, I was thinking about Moses uh, and you know he 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 was forty years in Egyptian schools, forty years in the backside of a desert. He's eighty years old when he takes the children of Israel, three to six million people, on a forty-year camping trip that don't want to go camping. Moses comes to the end of the wilderness journey, fouls up, smites the rock, and God said, "I can't let you enter the promised land, but I'll let you see it from afar off." And I used to think how how that, how unfair that was that Moses served God his whole life and he didn't messes up one time. But God was trying to show us the reason he did that was God was trying to show us that the mediator of that covenant couldn't make it in by the works of the law, yeah. because the end of the law is Romans three. There is none righteous, not even one. I growing up in my first uh, understanding of the kingdom, everybody taught the kingdom, but they taught you would access it through old covenant righteousness. And the problem was nobody ever met that criteria, yeah. so it's always way out there somewhere rather than in our our now. Okay. But when you realize that in the new covenant, righteousness is not based on the law, it's based on a gift because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we now reign in life. Yep. But the, the thing that really blessed me is that when Moses dies short of the promised land, he's, uh, you know, God buries him in a place and, and uh, it, he misses the promise. And I used to think that frustrated me until, you know, I think, well, that, you know, that's really not fair because if Moses didn't make it, I don't got a chance. Yep. And that's really true under the law. We don't have a chance. Nope. But then I started to think at 1,500 years of human history passes, and Moses' prayer request is ringing throughout the corridors of glory, and God says, I believe to Michael or Gabriel one morning, go get Jacob's ladder. Moses is about to re-enter the theater of human expression on a mountain called Transfiguration. And when he comes to the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah come to Jesus. And God, see, Moses only ever asked God for two things. Let me see your glory and show me the promised land. But when he sees Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses looks in the face of Jesus and he realizes glory is not smoke in the corner. It's found in the face of Jesus Christ. Because when God said, I'm going to let you see my glory or the afterburn, he caused all of God's goodness to pass before, his goodness to pass before Moses. And then he pulled the hand off and Moses saw his hinder parts. But right now, in front of Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, is all of God's goodness in the person of Jesus Christ. And while he's looking in the face of Jesus, he realizes the promised land 
is not a place, it's a person. Yep. And so you have the law and the prophets testifying, because then, again, that really confirms what I said even earlier, mm -hmm. because then Peter, James, and John, they're there. And Peter says, man, it's good for us to be here, Lord. Let's build here three tabernacles. Let's make one for you, mm -hmm. one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's make, let's make this Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. But what the two witnesses were testifying of. And you see those two witnesses, yeah. I believe the same ones in the book of Revelation when he said, you know, there talks about they have the power to smite the earth as often as it were plagues. And, and uh, I believe it's talking about prophetically uh, the spirit of Moses and Elijah. Mm -hmm. But what's happening here is that the law and the prophets are testifying that Jesus did it all. And because He accomplished it through His death, burial, and resurrection, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness so that the righteousness we now have has access yep. to the days of heaven on earth. That's so powerful to me. Because now it's not the words of the commandment. Jesus brought down the word of faith. Mm -hmm. Jesus got up from the dead. I mean, the fact that He got up from the dead tells us something. I mean, you know, He was delivered for our offenses, yep. but He was raised for our justification. And if He got up, that means we're justified. And if we're justified, we are in line to receive the days of heaven on earth and some of the stuff we talked about in earlier segments to receive. Yeah. I'll recover your life from what I read in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Yeah. Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. You'll recover your life. See how I do it. In other words, as we walk with Him, that's what produces this abundant life. Yeah. The, the Religion will take your life, but the real gospel will give you back your life. Yep. And so as I, you know, I started thinking about the quality of life that, that this gospel has produced for us. It's just to me incredible. Mm -hmm. You're going to run out of time here in a few moments, but I want to look at this camera and just tell you, you know, in these four segments that we've taught, your faith ought to go to another place. Something in you, as you've heard us teach, ought to say, I'm going to get up and go put my feet on some of the promises. I'm going to walk in some of the promises that God has given to me for my family, for my health, for my finances. I'm eking through life miserable, but I want to receive the days of heaven on earth. Let me tell you the first step to that is you've got to enter into this promised land called Christ, because in Christ all of God's promises are yes, and amen. Jesus did not come to make more promises. He came to deliver the ones that was already made. And the promises were to Abraham's seed. And he was the fulfillment of that promise. Yeah. He was the seed, as you said, the fulfillment of the Davidic promise, that out of your loins one will come. He was the fulfillment of the land promise, that he would be the rest that would be for the people of God. He was the fulfillment of the promises. Yep. So that right now, I wish somebody would take now for an answer, that now you can enter into God's promises and by faith lay hold of it and apprehend it and say, that's for me, that's for the day, I'm qualified on the basis of what Jesus did, not on the basis of what I did, and you'll receive, I believe, your miracle and your blessing today. You'll begin to walk in this newness of life as the days of heaven on earth. We're out of time.
Uh, if you appreciate what we're saying and want to get behind it, we do need your help. That goes without saying. Uh, but you can call the number on the screen or so seat into the ministry. You can go to the website that you see in the bottom corner, give via credit card or debit card. You can write a check and send it to the address that will come on the screen. We appreciate your help. We thank you for tuning in every week. Join us again next week at the same time as we continue our conversation. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.